presence of the Lord is in this building today. And what I'm about to preach is, this is the perfect segue for what I feel very strongly today to preach to our church, to every mom and dad, to every grandparent, to every individual that sits here today. I want to talk to us. I won't read a text. I will be in the Word, but I won't, I won't read a text, pick a text at this point. But I do want to talk to us today about what you're feeling right now. What you feel in this building right now. I want to talk to you about the presence of the King. The presence of the King. If we don't get anything else in life, may we dwell, learn to dwell and desire the presence of the King. Okay? I'm thankful for everything we've got. I'm thankful for everything that's happening here. I'm thankful for the building, and I'll be honest, I'm very thankful for the air conditioning today. But all of that pales in comparison to the need that we must have the presence of the King. Amen. God bless you this morning. You can be seated. We're going to get into the Word of the Lord this morning and see what God would have us here today. Amen. It doesn't take one long to figure out that our Bible is filled with amazing stories of people who have walked and lived by faith. We are familiar with the stars of our Bible. We see Noah building an ark, David killing a giant named Goliath, and Daniel sleeping soundly in the den of the lions. We speak of Moses, of Joshua, of Elijah, and three Hebrew children named Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. We are very familiar through our Sunday school classes and our Bible stories, especially if you have children that you're raising on church pews, you talk about these stories. You are familiar with these stories. And and it doesn't take long for a, a preacher to really run out of ideas, really, because you've heard the stories. One of the most beautiful stories, though, in the Word of God is about a beautiful young lady named Hadassah. Hadassah was of incredible beauty, and her story is absolutely inspiring to watch as the hand of God would direct her ways. Now, some of us may not recognize the Jewish name Hadassah. That's okay. You've all heard the story. I guarantee it tonight. Every person here has heard the story of Hadassah, whether you realize it or not. We just know her by her Persian name. Her name is Esther. Esther's story is one of of intense uh, uh, uniqueness. It It is an interesting story because her story does not begin well. We are told in Esther chapter 2 that Esther... This young lady that we read about is is an orphan. Her mother and her father have died. And she lives in Persia, raised in captivity by her cousin Mordecai. She doesn't come from great wealth. She doesn't come from royalty. She is not in any special lineage. She has nothing very uh, special about her other than the fact that the hand of God is on her in a very mighty way. Way We get our introduction to this beautiful Jewish young lady because of an intense scandal that would take place in the kingdom of Persia. You see the king at the time was a man by the name of Ahasuerus, known by the Greeks as Xerxes. 
He had an incredible kingdom. He had, his forefathers had captured what was then known as Babylon. And he had enlarged his coast to include 127 different provinces and regions. He was the king of kings, if you will. He was the king of the known land and, and his, uh, the, uh, the temples and artif uh, uh, artifacts from the Persians, the Medes and Persian Empire is absolutely incredible in its beauty and its, and its literature and all of the things uh, that make it so well known. Xerxes ruled supreme at the top of this government. He was number one in the kingdom. He had no rival. But yet one day as he began to show his splendor to every prince and all of the nobility, he, he had a banquet and in he drunken banquet, he decided it was a good idea to not just leave uh, the land to be uh, showcased. Uh, he decided he would showcase everything he possessed from his wealth to the buildings he had built to the land he had captured, even to his wife known as Vashti. We don't really know exactly who she was historically, but the Bible tells us that Vashti was one of the most beautiful women ever to walk the face of the planet. She was an absolute gorgeous lady, and King Ahasuerus decided he would showcase her to his, to his inferiors, to those that served him. So he sent the royal eunuchs to her and demanded that she come into to his presence. Uh, the Bible is very clear that when she hears uh, of the invitation, uh, she sends word back uh, that she's too busy to come before the king. Uh, this uh, very much displeases Ahasuerus. And so he sends word again, this time sending more than one, sending seven men to go get her and bring her. And she outright refuses his command. And so because of her refusal and her insubordination, he decides to put down any so-called rebellion that may take place. So he disposes her. He removes her from her office of queen. He kicks her out of the palace. Uh, he divorces her and he decides that he will find another to be in her place. And so begins the first beauty pageant ever recorded in history. The Bible says that he called for every young maiden of the kingdom to come in and purify herself and, and put on royal garments and, and, and deck herself in every jewel and paint that she wanted to do and, and have nothing was kept back from them. They ate of the finest foods. They drank the finest of the wines. They had everything at their disposal. They just had to come into the presence of the king and it would be out of these young ladies that the king would find a new queen to take Vashti's place. And so we are invited to this Jewish girl known as Hadassah who will hide her identity under her Persian name Esther. And she will come into the palace of the king uh, to have an audience with the king. And so it is uh, that God gives her favor. She walks in. She doesn't walk in with all of the... The Bible says that she did not walk in with all of the things from the king's house. She just came to the king as she was. And the king looked at her and said, Girlfriend, you're looking mighty cute today. That ain't in King James Version, but that's what he said, okay? He said, how you doing? That's what he said, okay? The Bible tells us that she, this Jewish girl born into poverty and raised in captivity, is now the queen of Persia. She has everything she ever dreamed of. She has no want, no lack. She sits 
with attendants and servants. She has absolutely the best of life. Until the day comes where a man by the name of Haman rises to power. Haman is that man that we would consider the prime minister to the king. He's second in command. And he finds himself in a place of power and prestige. There's only one problem with that. There's a guy named Mordecai who absolutely doesn't care how big he is. Doesn't care how royal he may be. He doesn't care if he's on the right hand, left hand, or or, or 30 feet from the king. He don't care. He just will not bow to Haman. And so Haman, in his hatred for Mordecai, issues the first proclamation of genocide against the Jews and decides that we will kill every person of Jewish descent in the kingdom. To which Mordecai sends word to Queen Esther. It's time to reveal your identity. There's only one problem with that, folks. It's not like it is today. When we hear of her being queen, it's not like it's not like it was King Hazarus, Ahasuerus coming home from work, getting in his lazy boy, her taking his shoes off and, for him and, and handing him a cup of iced tea. That's not how it worked. Okay? It's totally different. They lived in separate parts of the palace. They existed as two separate worlds and The queen could only come into the presence of the king if she was summoned. She didn't just run into the office and wrap her arms around him and give him a big kiss on the cheek and say, I hope you're having a good day. I love you. I got dinner on the table for you when you get home. That's not what happened. They lived in separate worlds, so to speak. And she only stepped into his world if he called her. And so... Esther sends word back to Mordecai and says, I don't know. I know what happened to the last queen that broke protocol. I don't know what will happen to me if I go into the presence of the king unsummoned. Then what will take place, a lot of times what will happen is he has the ability to kill me. I can lose my life. And finally Mordecai convinces her. So she prepares herself and she begins to fast. Mordecai begins to fast. And for three days they fasted. They neither ate nor drank. Uh, They fasted and they prayed and they sought God. And on the third day, the Bible says that Esther arrayed herself in her royal apparel. And she entered into the presence of the king. Again, we read it so many times and we often don't realize what's happening. This Jewish girl who has been raised in captivity with no money and no prestige, with no lineage, with no anything, strides back boldly, breaks protocol, does everything wrong. If you're going by the book of royal etiquette, she strides boldly into the presence of the king and says, King, I have a need. Do you want to know what the difference between both of them did wrong? Both Vashti and Esther did wrong. They both broke protocol. They both broke the rules. But do you want to know what the difference between Vashti and Esther was? The difference is simple. One was invited into the presence of the king and refused to come. While the other was not invited but said, I've got to get into the presence of the king. No matter what. Hey church, I'm here to remind us that we need the presence of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords in our midst. We cannot afford to just go by the rule book and 
play Pentecostal uh, and clap our hands uh, and just make it by. Uh, no, my friend, uh, if everything else fails, uh, we need uh, His presence. We don't need the air conditioner and we don't need the building. We don't need padded seats and we don't need lights. We don't need talented musicians or anointed singers. We don't need good preaching or pretty illustrations. If nothing else we've got to have the presence of the king of kings. We've got to have his presence in this place. Hey, my friend, let me just go ahead and say it. I'm going to go ahead and get out of order for a little bit. Uh, This has been burning in my spirit uh, for the last few days. Uh, I've got to remind us we can't just afford uh, to get his fill his presence and have goosebumps in the house of God. I'm thankful for it. Uh, But we need his presence in our homes. Uh, We need his presence in our bedrooms. Come on, my friend. Uh, We need to throw up the door uh, to our homes uh, and say, God, uh, we need your presence. Uh, I'm not waiting to get to 372 East San Antonio Street. Uh, I'm not waiting until pastor's preaching. Uh, I'm not waiting until the praise team's singing. I've got to have his presence on Monday, and I've got to have his presence on Tuesday, and I've got to have his presence on Wednesday. I've got to have his presence. Psalm 27 and 4, David writes, One thing have I desired of the Lord, and that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. David would write that because at that day and age, the presence of God was confined behind a curtain. And what David was saying is, I want to get as close to that curtain as I can I mean I can go into the holy of holies but I'm going to get close enough to behold the beauty of the Lord I don't care what they say about me I don't care how pressing government matters are I don't care if the battle gets hot I just want to get into the presence of almighty God I want to see the beauty of the Lord Psalm 84, verse number 2 says this, My soul longeth, yea, even fainteth for the courts of the Lord. My heart and my flesh crieth out for the living God. Psalms 84, David's writing again, and he's saying, I've got to get into the presence of God. I've got to get my soul longeth, yea, even fainteth. Oh, can I just be pastor for a little bit? God forbid that church become a drudgery. God forbid that services just become something we check off. But may there be something that rises up in us that says, oh, I've got to get into his presence. I don't care who's preaching. I don't care who's singing. I don't care if somebody took my seat. I've just got to get into his presence. My soul longeth, yea, even faint Bishop I saw something in this verse a few minutes ago that I've never seen before in my life we've we've, we've preached it you've preached it I've preached it we've preached it about how we battle against our flesh that that we have to crucify our flesh in fact I've heard it preached and I believe this so much that if it's a devil we'll take care of that in about 30 seconds that's no big deal if it's flesh it'll take us 30 years everybody here struggles with flesh But David said, 
my heart. Oh yeah, my heart's right. And my flesh. David was so desperate for his presence that David's sinful humanity said, you know what I need? I don't need to feel this. I need to feel him. Oh, it's easy for us to say, well, my heart uh, longs for the presence of God. But when's the last time uh, your flesh said, you know what? Uh, I'm tired of the sin and the junk. Uh, I need uh, to step into his presence. Uh, I've got to respond uh, to his presence. Uh, I've got to get into his presence. Uh, My heart cries out uh, for the living God. Uh, My flesh desires uh, his presence. Verse number four of the same chapter continues. Blessed are they that dwell in thy house. They will still be praising thee. Salah. You see, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to understand there is blessing in the house of God. But let me go ahead and say it a little bit differently. Blessed are they that dwell in the presence of God. That means that when you go home, he's there. And when you drive down the road, he's there. When you're at your job, he's there. When you're at school, he's there. When you're at church, he's there. When you're in Walmart or Taco Bell, he's still there. Blessed are they that dwell in his house. Verse number 10 continues. For a day in thy courts, just one day, is better than a thousand. I'd rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than to dwell in the tents of wickedness. Oh, hear me today. The presence of God ought to be such a driving force in you. The desire for the presence of God ought to be what gets you up in the morning. It ought to be so powerful that you say, hey, I may be the low man on the totem pole, but I'm going to be in the house of God. Uh, Everybody else may be getting raises uh, and everybody else may be getting accolades and fame and fortune, uh, but as long uh, as I'm in his presence, uh, as long uh, as I'm in his presence, uh, everything's going to be all right. (laughs) We need the presence of the king. Please be seated. I want to share something with you. There are two things that drive us to get into the presence of the king. Just two. There are two things that drive us to get us into the presence of the king. The first is easy. It's desperation. (laughs) There is nothing like a good case of desperation that will get you to the king. Oh, somebody hear me right now. Esther hears word. Our people are going to die. Your family is going to die. And Esther, don't think for one minute you can hide behind your Persian name. Because baby, you look like a Jew. You talk like a Jew. You act like a Jew. And you may be in the presence of the king, but you act like a Jew. And don't think for one minute they're going to pass you by. Because you are in a place of prominence. Sweetheart, you're still a Jew. And so just remember that if you don't help us, God's going to raise up another deliverer. There's an issue that you've got to go to the king for. 
well, I'd like to just sit here and let it pass me by. No, Esther, you don't understand. The problem's too big for you to just sit there. The circumstance is too hard for you to just sit there. You've got to move into the presence of the king. I'm talking to folks right now that have been through circumstances and situations that are too big for you to try to exist outside the king's gate and let it just unfold. There's some things that has driven you to the presence of the king and said, God, I can't do it. God, I can't fix it. God, it's falling apart. My marriage is on the rocks. My babies are lost. Are, are losing out with God. Uh, my job is struggling. My finances are struggling. Uh, my pain in my body's too great. Uh, I've got to have you move uh, in my situation. Uh, and guess what, sweetheart? You ought to thank God for the problem. Uh, you ought to thank God for the pain because uh, that kind of desperation uh, will get you into the presence of the King uh, even when it breaks protocol, even when it doesn't. Even when it's just singing Amazing Grace and nobody's supposed to shout on Amazing Grace, but you've got a desperate situation that you've got You've got to get into the presence of the king. And I don't care if my tie's messed up. I don't care if I look a little rumpled. I don't care if my hair's not all put together. I'm sorry. I've got to get to the presence of the king. I know pastor's got a pretty sermon, but pastor, you're going to have to excuse me because I've got to get to the presence of the king. I know the music's on point today, but I just got to break protocol for a moment and get into the presence of the king because I'm desperate for an answer from the king. Oh, we walked in here and we did all the right things. We said, excuse me, pardon me. We eased on in here. We got into our place of comfort. We sat down on comfort pews. But I'm going to tell you right now, it wasn't comfort, comfortable pews uh, or cute protocol uh, that took that little lady with the issue of blood uh, to get to Jesus. Uh, she... She was weak. She was broke. She was messed up. But she was desperate. And she said, I don't care who's in my way. I've got to get to the king. I've got to get to the king. Desperation will make you crawl on your hands and knees to get to the king. Come on, church. You know what I'm talking about. I'm talking about those needs that are so big that you can't fix. You can't. Even, you barely made it into the house of God. But I don't care what they're doing. I don't care what they think about me. I've got to get to a prayer closet. I've got to get to an altar. I've got to get a touch from God. I'm desperate. I'm not trying to make fun or mess up anybody, but I need you to understand some of you are not desperate enough. I'm not trying to get on to anybody, but some of us have gotten comfortable uh, with our need. Uh, but there is a Haman uh, that says, no, no, I'm going to kill your family. Uh, I'm going to kill your marriage. Uh, I'm going to destroy everything you represent. Uh, and somebody's got to get desperate enough uh, to say, hey, I'm not going through the motions anymore. I've got a need to be in the presence of the king. Come on, lift your hands all over this building. Let's take 30 seconds and worship him. There's peace in his presence. There's joy in his presence. Hallelujah. There's refreshing in his presence. Hallelujah. There's safety in his presence. 
Hallelujah. I know the need's rough. I know it's hard, but there's joy in his presence. Just get into his presence one more time. Just get into his presence one more time. Hallelujah. Jesus. 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 And I'll be honest with you, folks. That's not what I came to preach about today. Because this is where I feel so strongly. While desperation drives us into His presence, it is really the second thing that drives us into His presence that we got to get today. Because I know, I know we know that when things are desperate, we've got to get to His presence. We know that. We know that. My God, even people in our cities and in our communities know that. I got a need. Will you pray? They know that. But the second driver into the presence of the king is not desperation, it's desire. God, I don't need anything. I just want. Brother Cade, we, we, we get really comfortable going to his presence when we got a need. But when's the last time we got into his presence just because? My God, help us right now. Come on, when's the last time you had the sweet presence of God move into your home? Not because you were praying because somebody was sick and you had a phone call that was disturbing, but you just begin to worship God and your kids are in the back playing. Your husband's sitting in the, in the recliner. Maybe your wife is in the house and you're out in the yard, but you just begin to entertain the presence of God. Jesus, I love you. Jesus, I thank you. Jesus, you've been good to me. And the presence of God sweeps through and you lose all sense of time and you lose all sense of responsibility and you're not after any any word from God or any miracle from God. You just want to, to be in the presence of the king. Come on, it's filled in your Bible. I don't have time to go through all of it, but I'll show you a few things. Adam was created by God. He's the only person that's ever been created just like that. Dust was formed into the shape of a man. The organs were created, every hair follicle, the eyes, the nose, every part of his body perfectly and wonderfully made. And then God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the Bible says that man became a living soul. May I take you out of the Bible for just a moment and imagine with me what it was like when Adam opened his eyes for the very first time and had the face of God right here. Come on, think about it. Every bit of glory, every bit of majesty, Elohim reaches into the dust and breathes into humanity the breath of life. And Adam's first conscious thought is of God. God puts him in the garden, gives him purpose, gives him provision, gives him a soulmate. Everything is perfect. And then God walks in the cool of the garden. It's perfect, folks. And the presence of God. There's no sickness. There's no need for miracles. Pops, there's no need for miracles. They don't need a miracle. They've got His presence. They don't need a, a financial miracle. It's already been done. They're just living in His presence. But there comes a day where the serpent tempts Eve. And Eve takes the fruit and then gives to Adam. And Adam takes the fruit. Their eyes are open. They sow fig leaves together and they hid themselves. What happens, Adam? Adam, where are you, Adam? 
I came to walk among you. I came for you to be in my presence. I invited you to be in my presence. And you didn't show up. I'm sorry, folks. If Governor Abbott called me today and said, Pastor Grindel, I'm doing a special deal at the at Capitol Hill in Austin. I want you to come and be a part of it and pray over it. I'd be there today. <laughs> I didn't vote for the man, okay? But if President Biden called me and said, we're doing a big highlight thing and we're asking pastors to come in. Bubba, I'm going to be at the White House on the next flight out. I'm bringing my Bible and a Bible study. Me and Biden gonna have a, me and Uncle Joe gonna have a Bible study. I can't imagine having God on the schedule. And saying I can't show up, I gotta cancel. Ah. But if you'll fast forward seven generations later, when Adam said, I can't go into his presence. There was a great, great, great grandson of Adam by the name of Enoch. That something happened at 65 years of age. He had a son and looking at the face of his son, something took place in his spirit. And he said, i got to find God's presence. And the Bible said for the next 300 years, Enoch walked with God. There's only two people in your Bible that that phrase is used. Enoch and Noah. They walked with God. Yeah. Enoch showed up every day and said, God, I don't have any time to waste. I'm going to walk with you for the next 300 years. He kept a daily appointment with the Almighty. He got into his presence. He said, I've got to get into his presence. And so much, he had so much desire for the presence of God that the Bible says that one day God looked at Enoch and said, Enoch, you've been in my presence so long and you've such a desire for my presence why don't you just come and live in my presence and the Bible says Enoch was not because God took him it's as if God said we've spent enough time at your place why don't you come to my place now you want to know what the heavens like it's perpetual being perpetually in the presence of God 24 7 365 day in and day out in the presence of the almighty we need his presence I'm sorry I can't help but read Exodus 19 and 20 Exodus chapters 19 and 20 and God not just read it almost with an open mouth of awe God tells Moses, gather the children of Israel. Three days they're to sanctify themselves. On the third day, I'm going to show up. Don't let them touch the mountain. Don't let them get too close to the mountain. Put boundaries around the mountain. I'm going to speak to them face to face. The Bible says that on that third day, the top of the mountain was covered in a cloud like thick smoke. The thundering and the lightning and the splendor of what took place that day. The voice of many trumpets sounding. The voice of God speaking to the children of Israel. And it left the children of Israel in awe. Oh, we're in his presence, no, Moses, but it's scary in the presence of God. So why don't you go between us and God? And whatever he tells you to do, we'll do. But I don't know if we can live in his presence. But fast forward a few chapters. God calls Moses, come up the mountain. I'm going to give you the law. I'm going to give you the pattern for the tabernacle. Remember, the children of Israel are not to go cross those boundaries. 
They're not supposed to come by the mountain. They don't touch the mountain. If they touch the mountain, they're going to die. Don't, don't, go to their mountain. don't go to the mountain. Moses is up on the mountain. Israel was out in the valley. They're doing their thing. We know that they would even worship a golden calf. All of the stuff they'd do. But I'm intrigued. Because the Bible says that when Moses starts coming down the mountain, he meets a young man by the name of Joshua that got between the people of Israel and the man of God. I don't know how far up the mountain he was, but somewhere along the way, Joshua was camped out. Moses was up the mountain 40 days. 40 days. That means Joshua was on the side of that mountain 40 days. Saying, I don't know how far I can go, but I'm going to get as close as I can. Fast forward a few more chapters to Exodus 33. They've got the law. They've got the tabernacle. Now they're sinning. They're worshiping a golden calf. And there's judgment being given. And God meets with Moses in the temple face to face. It's an amazing passage Exodus 33. God meets with Moses face to face as a man meets with his friend. As if me and you are sitting over coffee. That's how God met with Moses. God gives Moses a word. Moses turns around and walks out the temple. The Bible says in Exodus 33. That Joshua, a young man, stayed in the presence of the Lord. You got to hear me right now. Israel was in a pivotal moment. This was a historical moment. This was a transition moment for Israel. They had just been given law. They had just been given the temple plan. They had gotten everything they needed and it still caused them to sin. God was getting ready to wipe them out but for a man by the name of Moses. This is a pivotal moment but a young man is not worried about what's happening in social media. He's not worried about what's happening in current events. He's not swayed by political opinion. He said, I just got to get in the presence of God. Oh, you think it's all nonsense, but when God starts looking for a successor to take Moses' place, he doesn't have to look very far because there's a man named Joshua who's been in his presence, uh, who's stepped into the presence of the king, uh, and he said, I'll use him because he's been in my presence. Musicians, come. Let's give them some hope. Would you stand with me all over this building? God has sent me here to remind us that we've got to have his presence. There will be two drivers, desperation or desire. And while I thank God for desperate moments, it will get you into the presence of God. I thank God for that. God's really looking for somebody to say, my soul or my heart and my flesh cries out for the living God. I've got to have Him. I've got to have Him. This is it right here. This is the crux right here. When you get into His presence... Nothing else matters. Y'all ready? Pastor, I don't know if I quite understand Jesus' name baptism yet. That's okay. Get into His presence. I don't know if I quite understand all this hooping and hollering yet. That's okay. Get into His presence. Pastor, I don't agree with what you teach on holiness and how we're supposed to dress and, and how we're supposed to live and, and places we're not supposed to go and things we're not supposed to say. And 
I don't think I understand that. I don't, I don't agree with it. That's okay. But get into his presence. Get into his presence. Get into his presence, church. My God, I... There are going to be days that I'm going to stand in this pulpit and I'm going to rail against sin and I'm going to preach against things. And, I, and I'm sorry if it offends you, but I've got to do it because I want to see you saved. And I may preach against something that you think is not a sin and it may not be a sin, but I see it as a directional issue and I'm trying my best to help you make it to heaven. You know what's going to make it possible? If you'll stay in His presence. Again, I'm not talking about coming to church and feeling goosebumps. I thank God for that. We've had a week of that at camp meeting. We feel it here. But I'm talking about getting up and getting into His presence on Monday when there is no song. And when the bills are due. And when the doctor comes back with the diagnosis and says, Hey, it looks bad. Get into His presence. When the babies walk out, get into His presence. When everything's going hunky-dory and you don't have a need, would you just step into his presence? It may look like you sitting in a recliner with a cup of coffee, lifting a hand going, God, I love you, and letting the presence of God step into your house. But would you just get into his presence? Because in his presence, everything comes together in the presence of the king. I don't have an altar call today. Usually I ask, if you have a need, would you come? If you need the Holy Ghost, would you come? I don't have that today. In fact, if anything, this may be better to dismiss. I don't know. But if there's somebody here that says, you know what, Pastor? I may not understand it. may not have it all together. Everything may be wonderful right now. I don't have any needs. But what I do want is to get into His presence. Then I invite you to an altar. I invite you to come and say, God, if I don't get anything else, I want your presence. Come on, is there somebody here that says his presence is more valuable than the answer to my prayer? His presence is more valuable than my need? His presence is more pressing than the circumstances I'm going through? I need his presence more than I need anything else. I've got to have his presence more than I need anything in this building, in this world. I've got to have his presence more than the job or the education. I've got to have his presence more than the pay raise. I've got to have his presence more than anything else in this world. Come on, is there somebody else that will say, God, break me in your presence. God, let me experience your presence. Come on, I know there's not, these are not the only folks. Is there anybody else? Maybe you can't come to an altar right now. Maybe you physically can't move. Would you lift your hands and would you begin to cry out to, to God and say, God, I've got to have your presence. I've got to have your presence in my home. I've got to have your presence on the school campus that I attend. I've got to have your presence. Come on, nobody's going to pray for you today. I don't, I, I'm sorry. I'm not being ugly. But if you want his presence, you're going to have to reach for it. You're going to have to reach for it. You're going to have to pursue it. You're going to have to ask God, would you let me experience your presence?